Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, I don't know what happened early. The promo didn't play. Imagine that. <laughs> the crazy times that we live in here. And uh, welcome to Kentucky Basketball. Probably got it. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass. I'm Betty Deasley, and we are practicing social distancing. We're one end of the state to the other, so we're good. And uh, (laughs) how's it been going? Yeah. Uh, What's up, brothers? Man, I'm I'm just on top of the world, Benny. I mean, we're we're nearing a lockdown. I'm afraid in Kentucky, and I tell you what, man. I mean, we've got some stories to tell, and I know all of you out there listening have the same stories, and we'd love to hear those too. So don't forget to call in today. It's a good time to call in and forget about the craziness of the world we're living in right now for just a little bit, you know, an hour and a half, and. Uh, I'm doing great. I mean, other than just, you know, it's just the uncertainty and and not knowing what's happening. And and I don't think we're getting the real truth, Benny. And, uh, but you know what, I'm going to focus on our show today because we've got a good one. We've got a, you know, I was able to spend a a little bit of time with Cotton Nash, you know, a few weeks ago, we've got an interview with him coming up and then uh, pro wrestler, uh, former pro wrestler, Bobby Blaze Smedley. And uh, Ashley, Kentucky native, and so it, it's going to be a lot of fun today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I just, uh, I'm like you. I'm, I'm just not myself in, in this time. I don't know. I'm, uh, we're missing basketball. I'm watching all these old games. Seems like they can't put nothing on where we didn't lose. And I'm watching this stuff, and I'm like, man. We're not even going to have a champion this year. It's weird. And this Kentucky basketball across the Blue Grass been in lead, but we really don't have any basketball talk unless you want to talk about that uh, Virginia. <laughs> well, I just watched Virginia and uh, – oh, who was it? Bless it. I'm losing my mind. Virginia and uh, Nova there a while ago, their championship game. And that was Texas Tech. <laughs> Benny, you know that is one. Of the, that is one of the symptoms of coronavirus. So I'm a little concerned about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had my test, but they must be afraid to tell me what what happened there. Because I'll tell you, I, 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 that, that's one test you don't want to take unless you you really need to. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> my goodness. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Because that's, that's you've got me my curiosity peaked there. So tell us what in the world. I mean, what does it entail? Is it a lot of breathing exercises, or what do you go through? No, nah, they just take a, a I don't know, a swab, a big long looking cute tip, shove it to your brain on both sides, and that's when they when they bring it out, you feel like you got something wrong with you. That's for sure. <laughs> So it sounds a lot like the flu swab, and I, I went through that last fall, you know, when I had the flu, and, um, and no, it's not fun, and 
you know, the, you know, and I, there's, there's been times, and you know, and, and just put it mildly, folks, and you know, you know, Benny and I, we're just good old boys from Kentucky, but you know, there's, there's always that far-reaching object that's blocking your breathing, and you know, sometimes I wish I had something would go up in there that far. You know, finger just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, you don't want to go that far. <laughs> your eyes will work. Man, you... <laughs> oh man, no, oh, we're trying that's to have some fun, folks, and and but you know, seriously, I mean, it's uh, it, it's scary right now, and and we just heard that uh, Senator Rand Paul has tested positive for the virus with no known symptoms. And how how far this thing is going to reach? You know that that's what that's what's on everybody's mind. And you know it's close to home now. They uh, they found a someone that tested positive in Murray, Kentucky, two days ago, and this was someone that traveled in and went to a church service in Murray. You know, even up on the governor's request to stop having church gatherings and, and services, and of course people negligent and not adhering to his wishes and. And here we go. Now, now it's in our end of the state where we, before we had a four-hour buffer from western Kentucky, you know, most of it's been centered around Fayette County and, and Louisville area. And now now it's right here close to home. So it's it's going to affect all of us before it's all said and done. But the best advice I can give people, stop traveling, stay home, stay close to home, and limit what you do. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, there was they called out a church uh, in Lewis County there a while ago. The governor did, and it's you know it's probably three or four miles down the road here to Lewis County from where I live. And I just like, why would you want to put your people in danger? And I know, I know churches are big on faith, and but you know that's that's good. That's all well and good, but you got to have a brain too. You know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> ignorance is no excuse, right? No, and and I think that's the fine line, Benny, is that, you know, the fine line between faith and and common sense, you have to have both, you know, but you, first and foremost, you have to practice common sense, then you practice your faith. The faith is always there, but you've got to put common sense ahead of faith right now, people. This is a serious time and and something that really, I still feel like we're not getting the whole truth on, and once the dust settles, if we're still here, you know, we, we hopefully we'll find out, you know, the truth behind it and, and where it did stem from. Right, and I was one of the people, I'll be honest with you, in the beginning, I didn't take it serious at all. I'm not going to lie to you guys, I thought it was complete and total bullshit, but I was wrong. And I, I'm taking it serious now, and we're taking the necessary steps, and, you know, I'll probably be going back to work sometime hopefully tomorrow but i don't know for sure yet but i'll be going back to work and working while i can and like i said we don't know from day to day if if we're even going to have a job and this is this is a time that that my kids i know have never experienced anything like this i think when i was really young we had some rough times and some tough economies but nothing like we're fixing to have i don't think well, you know, I've never seen schools on a shutdown like this. And now, you know, Governor uh, Bashir is talking about extending this through April 20th now. And I think that any parent out there that survives their kids being home this long, and, and, and I want to tell you this, it, this is the, and it, this is just, I'm just kidding around a little bit. But, but seriously, though, 
you think April 20th, and if they do go back then, they're just in school for a short time and then summer break. So what parent out there, you know, what test? I mean, if you can survive that, I want to say you can survive anything with the kids being home like that, you know. And, <laughs> <laughs> but but seriously, you know, Benny, you just alluded to that too. And, and, you know, just a few weeks ago when your wife sent me the video from you on the cruise after the Florida game. And, yeah, I know you, you had a few drinks on there. And, of course, I know we're in Kentucky and we're bourbon lovers. And, and, and Benny, you were celebrating it. But how much changed just in that time? And we're talking within a week. And it, it's just unreal. And, and, I mean, you know, and I, I sent that out the other day. And, and, you know, I watched that again and I thought, man, we were we – were, on cloud nine that day going into the sec tournament with that the expectations of the tournament and what kentucky was starting to look like and you know it, it's still sad to me one thing that stands out to me is the fact that we probably will never see ashton Hagens play for kentucky again you know not to mention the other guys but you know Hagens set that game out and you know didn't get the send off really that that he deserved and but just how much change in that week is, is, is surreal. It's really surreal because, I mean, you and I were talking about meeting up in uh, Nashville and going to the tournament. Absolutely. And, yeah, it was going to uh, happen. I mean, it was going to happen. And we were – and I think it's when they canceled when, – when they canceled it for the fans, I think that's when it started getting real for me just a little bit. I mean, I wasn't completely yeah. – I thought maybe they were overreacting. But now, I mean, all I've done is sit home and watch the news. So, of course, I think the world's ending. <laughs> but you never know what you're getting because, like I say, I know politics no. is a big part in a lot of things because you can listen to Fox News and CNN. You get two different stories. And, I, I mean, and, but even when I start seeing Fox jumping on board with all this, I was like, whoa. Because if you remember yeah. Early on, Fox is just like, yeah, well, they're washing your hands, you'll be fine. <laughs> you know? And it's it's just unreal, the times we live in. But, you know, we're here to try, right. to, try to put on a good show for you guys. And we got an interview with uh, Cotton Nash we're going to play here in just a minute. Uh, just wanted to let you all know that Lee caught up with him before, actually before they shut anything down. So, they talk a little bit about the tournament and things like that, but uh, it's actually it's actually pretty cool to have Cotton Ash on. You know, anybody that's a Kentucky fan has has at least heard of Cotton Ash. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because Cotton Ash, of course, was before my time. I mean, he was playing when I was just a toddler, and you know, but he was one of my grandfather's heroes, and and, and my dad knew of him too. And growing up in Kentucky, in western Kentucky, that name was just one of those that resonated. And, you know, his legend, I mean, he he is legendary. You know, we have one of the few, and I think there's only 17 or 18 athletes that actually played the dual sports of professional baseball and in the NBA. Now, you have some that did, you know, NBA and football, but this is Major League Baseball and Basketball, NBA. So there there aren't very many, and, and you're definitely seeing less and less of that now as we go forward in time. But uh, just to be able to speak with him 
and find out that we had some common ground. And actually, one of the uh, one of his trainers that trains his horses, and of course, Cotton's involved in horses and horse racing. He is actually a friend of mine that graduated the year before me at Heath High School. So, you know, I've been to his farm and and actually cut wood over there, and so. You know, I know Randy Gerald well, and it was just neat to find out that we had someone in common that we could call friends. And uh, but it was just very humbling for me, Benny. And you know, I was, uh, you know, and I know I called you shortly afterward, and and you know, I was still on a high then, and it was just, uh, it, was, it, it was, it was one of those times that I just, I'll never forget it. You know, it, it's something very special to me. It meant a lot to me, and. Uh, you know, I'll take that to the grave and very, very emotionally charged interview. And, uh, you know, I got a little nervous in there and uh, stumbled on his name once. But, you know, I, I'm telling you guys, I was nervous. It was on the fly. And uh, But uh, such a very warm personality, great man. I just enjoyed talking with him. And I really wish I had the first uh, 15 minutes of that interview recorded because it was just a conversation between he and I and and it was just very special very special uh, conversation and uh, the interview I hope you guys uh, hope you guys can appreciate it well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do because we got Bobby Blaze coming in here a little later I'm going to go ahead here in just a second and I'm going to play this thing for them so they can hear it and then I want you guys to call in because we are you know, I talked to Nick on Twitter, and uh, he's struggling with this social distancing thing. And, and I want people just call and tell me how they're doing and, and things, if you don't mind. I mean, because we, our numbers, man, we can't thank y'all enough. They're going up and up and up, and it's it just baffles me that you know, anybody even wants to listen to us. But it's pretty cool when you see the numbers, yeah. even with the, the things that are going on. And uh, we appreciate y'all and. No matter how big we ever get, we'll never forget forget the guys that's been with us from the beginning, like yeah. Nick and Michelle and Lisa, and there's so many others. I, I I don't want to leave nobody out, but there's so many others. And Jared, and if I forget somebody, you just call yeah. them. It's been that I mean, I can remember having two or three listeners sometimes. <laughs> yeah, Terry, Terry, I mean Ellie. Yeah, it was those people, and it was. It means a lot to us. You guys have all, you guys have helped us and helped us grow. And we've had some crazy good guests on here, people I never thought I'd ever talk to. But I'm going to play this instead of the rambling on. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this because I listened to it and I really enjoyed it. It's a real honor to welcome our next guest to Kentucky basketball across the bluegrass. His jersey hangs in Rupp Arena. He is ninth all-time in Kentucky scoring, fifth all-time in rebounding. Please welcome Charles Cotton Nash. Glad to be with you, Lee. Welcome to the show. And, Cotton, one thing I want to ask you, and I don't think a lot of people do, but uh, I know a lot of people would probably be interested in what you're doing these days. I know you have some grandchildren, and but uh, what's a typical day, and, and what do you do? what do you do these days? Well, we've been in the standard bred horse business for years and years. Uh, we breed and uh, race them, and we've uh, we've got a connection uh, to Western Kentucky with with uh, Randy Gerald and Mickey Pryor, who uh, have trained horses for us in the past, and uh, they're really good horsemen down there in Keeble and I think um, uh, maybe Smithland. 
Yeah, and I used to do I used to do business with Ralph Smith before he passed away. The uh, uh, from Smithlin. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was a county judge there for years. Yes, I know the name very well. Okay. On on the good side of it, Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the good side of it. Uh, yeah, and we're uh, yeah we're just uh, in our spare time we uh, follow our grandkids and uh, they're playing a lot of sports. We go to a lot of games every year, and it keeps us busy. Yeah, that's good, and it's good to hear too. And and when you say Cable, I actually where I'm from is Heath Heath area, West Paducah. So Cable's just uh, five miles down the road on 60 for me, and uh, so I grew up in know that area really well. So. Uh, that's very interesting. Uh, of course, your nickname, and of course, your name is Charles Cash. I mean, uh, Charles Nash, excuse me. But uh, you, uh, your nickname is a pretty interesting story. How you came about that? Would you like to elaborate on that a little bit? Well, yeah, it actually it happened in Little League when I was uh, playing, and I was living in Jacksonville, Indiana, at the time. And it uh, at that time it was a small town. Not much going on in the sports page in the paper. Actually, covered the little league baseball season, and they would write write up the games and print the box scores and everything. And uh, uh, when I was playing, uh, they were one of the sports writers noticed my real blonde hair, and when he wrote an article, he nicknamed me Cotton, and that stuck ever since. What did your mom and dad think about that nickname? Oh, they were fine with it. They kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but sometimes moms are picky, and, and uh, I, know, I know, you know, with my son, it, it's the same way. And he, he picked the nickname up Wiggles, and of course he was a baseball player too. And and when he was set up at the plate, you know, he, he'd he'd move around a little bit, and that's where he got that name. And uh, but every every guy playing a sport usually gets a nickname down the line somewhere. That's right. Uh, along with basketball and baseball, uh, one thing a lot of people overlook is that you also ran track at Kentucky. And uh, being a former track athlete myself, I, I'm interested in, and I think Big Blue Nation is too, in what events you participated in in, in Kentucky track. Well, actually, um, I, I played uh, in high school. I was played four different sports, and plus I was on a swimming team, which made five. Then when I got to UK, I... Uh, I was on the baseball basketball team and briefly on the uh, track team, but I, I just threw the discus occasionally for the track team. Okay. Uh, so a lot of times the track meets and the baseball games overlap, so I had to play the baseball games. Uh, was my priority. Okay. And baseball was your first love, is that right? That's correct. Ever since I was growing up, I grew up in New Jersey right in the shadow of the Yankee Stadium, and uh, I always hoped to be a major league player, which I did accomplish briefly in my career, so um, it's always it was always my first love, yes. And along the way, especially in Major League Baseball, you had the opportunity to play for Billy Martin, is that correct? Yeah, I did. He was a, he was a real trip. He was a player's manager. He really got along with all the players. And he was a, he was fun to play for. And, and you know, in doing some research on your baseball career, and you know, in Minnesota at that time, there's some there's some big names in there, and uh, Bob Allison, Rod Crew, Dean Chance, 
uh, Greg Nettles, Jim Cat, Harmon Killebrew, and Tony yeah. Oliva. And, yeah. and, and there's uh, and there's Cotton Ash right there with them. Uh, yeah. can, can you tell us one interesting story from your Major League Baseball career? Well, the uh, the major <laughs> the major story. I didn't have many. Uh, I wasn't there that long. Uh, but when uh, when I was called up uh, and to Minnesota and Billy Martin, uh, I walked out of the clubhouse and into the dugout. And it was the first time I met Billy Martin, and I'm six foot five, and I had fairly long hair for that uh, particular era. And uh, Billy took one look at me and he said, Nash, he said, I'm not going to put you in the lineup today, he said, but I want you to sit right here next to me on the bench in case anything breaks out. <laughs> <laughs> he was a real fighter. Yeah, Billy was. Yeah, he was. And, and he had a great career. Of course, he, you know, coached the Yankees, you know, multiple times. And, uh, and yeah, out there. Where you grew up, and and that, that's pretty neat too. So I thought that was kind of a your baseball career and, and and where you grew up kind of came full circle there a little bit. You're right. You're right. It did. And and I know that uh, you you were fortunate enough to play for the legendary coach Adolph Rupp, and uh, and, and we know his regimen. I mean, just stories we've heard about it. And uh, I know his practices were not long. I think most were under two hours. Can you walk us or talk us through a typical practice, what that was like? And uh, and then I, and I'm probably going to ask you, uh, if after a loss or, or if somebody did something that he didn't agree with, uh, some of the things he, he ran you through in practice. Well, he was um, a very efficient coach in regards to timing and timing of practices and uh, I really appreciated that. I don't know if I could have played today with the three and four hour practices they go through but uh, every day we had practice start at three o'clock on the nose and we practiced no longer than an hour and 45 minutes. That was the longest our typical practice. Uh, the reason for that was possibly because the freshman team had to practice right after us. So wow. uh, we had to get off the court and let them have some uh, court time, too. But during that hour and 45 minutes, you were always in motion doing something. You were running plays. You were uh, going over a scouting report against a uh, scout team. Uh, you, were in con and you were in constant uh, uh, motion if you... The, the practice started, the first 30 minutes of practice was you, everyone got a ball and you shot. You shot, practiced your shooting for 30 straight minutes and went and got your own rebound every time you shot. And I'll tell you what, if, if you, uh, if you want to try that out in the driveway sometime for 30 straight minutes, uh, you're going to be awfully winded by then. Yeah. <laughs> and, so there was no need for conditioning work, which we never did have. About, and by the time we got done with the other hour and 15 minutes, uh, being in constant motion too, uh, we didn't have any uh, conditioning work. We were we were spent. So that was the difference in him and today's practices. That's good. And, and at six five, you played center, and you know in today's basketball, that's almost unheard of. But but you had a nice skill set. You had a, your ball handling skills were exceptional. Uh, how would you 
how do you think your game would translate in today's game at your size? Oh, God, probably. <laughs> yeah, and you could do that. I, I mean, I, I have no doubt, Cotton, you could play any position out there. And, uh, I, I well, know, it, oh, go ahead. It, just to show you how times have changed, my senior year, I was a 6'5 center, and my the two forwards on either side of me was Larry Conley at 6'3 and Ted Deacon at 6'3. And we came, we had won our first uh, nine games in a row that year, and we went down to New Orleans to play in the Sugar Bowl tournament, and we faced Duke in the, cha- Duke in the championship game. They came out in the court. They had a seven-foot center, a six-eleven forward, and another six-eight forward. And we just outran them that game and beat them in the championship game. And the next week, we were ranked number one in the country, and we were really proud of that. We were. They called. They you know they talk about Rips Runs a few years later, but we were smaller than they were. <laughs> yeah, and, and I you know I always wondered that and. Yeah, and it's funny that, you know, that nickname, you know, really exactly what you said, you, you guys truly were rough fronts, and you, and you ran the dickens out of people. Exactly. We had uh, we had 27 games my senior year, and 10 of them we scored in triple digits. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Cotton, one of the, the things that stands out to me in your career, to me that it, it's, a lot of people, and, and if you're a Kentucky fan, you're going to know these things, but but some people may have overlooked it or missed it. But you actually had two games where you had 30 rebounds in a game. And, and if you think about that, at 6-5, and, and just like you said, and I know you went up against a lot bigger opponents, but 30 rebounds, two games, Ole Miss, and, and a very talented Temple team that you had those rebounds in. Yes, I don't. I don't know if people realize that, but in the Ole Miss game, when uh, I had 30, our team total was 108 rebounds, and in today, 50 some years later, that is still an all-time Division One NCAA record. Wow, that's incredible! And for your career, you averaged 12.3 rebounds per game, and that's an amazing feat in itself. Well, we put the ball up in the air, and most of the teams that we played against had to run with us, too, to catch us. So there were a lot of shots and a lot of rebounds. <laughs> yeah, and really most of Adolph's teams were, were, were good shooting teams and, and teams you were on as well. So, you know, just the opportunity to get a rebound was, was, was not a given any night, was it? No, it wasn't. And... Uh, it's just amazing today uh, how the shot clock goes off all the time with uh, people uh, just dribbling around and not attempting to score. But uh, Adolph's philosophy was get the ball down the court, get the ball up in the air, and score. And a lot of times the ball never hit the floor when we brought it up the floor with just one, two, three passes and a shot. Yeah, and it's really, you know, to me, it's surprising me in today's game that you don't see a lot more of that. And I think that that may be improvements in teams getting back on defense, uh, maybe quicker athletes, I'm not sure. But, you know, I mean, ideally, that's what that's what you want to do in basketball. Yeah, it's more fun for the fans to watch that top type of game. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I love, I love the up-tempo and, and always have. And, 
And I think Kentucky's really done a good job of bringing that type of coach in with that philosophy and system. And uh, I think Kentucky this year is having a little bit of problem with it, and I think they'd like to run a little bit more than they do, but just that I think their lack of bench has hurt them a little bit this year. What is your what is your what are your thoughts on this year's Kentucky team? Well, I've been trying to watch every game I could, and uh, it just seems like they're a hot and cold team. They uh, when they're on their game, they can compete with any team in the country, and uh, we'll find that out in the NCAA tournament. But uh, even if they have their lapses, uh, anybody can beat them. Uh, just like that one team early in the year. So uh, uh, I'm just hoping the better up-tempo uh, team shows up here in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I do too. And and I'm going to ask you one final question, Cotton, and then I'll let you talk about anything you want. But the uh, I want to ask you, who was the best basketball player you ever played with and who was the best basketball player you ever played against? Well, <laughs> that's, that's, that's no problem. Uh, when I was with the Lakers, I was on the team with Jerry West and Andrew Bauer. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I put, when I played that year in the NBA, uh, there was a guy they called Will Chamberlain, yeah. who, as far as I'm concerned, was, was the most dominant player in basketball that ever was, just like Babe Ruth in baseball. Really hard to come to UCLA, 
and you ended up choosing Kentucky. And I knew I know you were in Louisiana at the time. You played your last two years of high school ball there, and I know you wanted to stay closer to home and and in the Southeastern Conference. But do you ever, or did you ever, have any regrets that you chose Kentucky over UCLA? Well, of course not. I met my wife here and raised my family here. It's not a good idea. I wouldn't have had that, but uh, it's it's a story where John Wooden, um, it was an early coach. It was one of his first few years at UCLA, and in those days you were allowed unlimited visits to campuses. So he flew me out there, or the UCLA staff flew me out there two or three times they even let me take a buddy of mine with me, and they wined and dined me out there and uh, promised me everything. Not, you know, promised me a, a great life out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really tempted to go out there. In fact, I made visits all over the country in, in the summer after my high school graduation, and it got to be August. And uh, my father came up to me and said, you know what, school starts in September. He said, you got to make up your mind where you're going here. I was I was flying somewhere every weekend and, you know, having a ball. But um, finally I narrowed it down. I wanted to go in the SEC and, like you said, and uh, Kentucky at that time was, was the premier program. And I, I felt comfortable coming up here in Lexington and uh, throwing my hat in the ring. Well, I can tell you, there, there are a lot of people, including myself, that are thankful that you did. And well, the other, the other thing was John Wooden actually didn't need me because my senior year he won his first NCAA championship out of 10 that he won. Well, you can say that, Cotton, but it might have made it a little bit easier to win it, you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. Listen, okay. I appreciate your time so much, and, and uh, it's been a real honor to have you on. And uh, and, and we wish you nothing but the best, and uh, we hope we can do this again sometime. All right, Lee, I, I enjoyed being on there. Say hi to my buddies in, in there and Randy Gerald and Mickey Pryor if you ever ran into them. Well, I sure know Randy. I know Randy personally. I actually went to school with him. So I sure okay. will. Yep, I've been to his little track out there and everything. So I, I certainly will. And uh, it, it's, it's kind of nice that we have a, a, a friend in common. Yeah, we do. It shows you how small this world really is. Yeah. Cotton, thank you so much, and have a great rest of your day. All right. Thanks, Lee. I enjoyed it. I did, too. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was pretty awesome, Lee, I have to say. Man, Uh, I'm telling you right now, I can tell everybody out there, Benny, that, man, I got goosebumps all over again, and, I mean, I'm being absolutely honest and, and almost want to cry over that because it, it's very sentimental to me, and you know how humble, a wonderful man. Cotton Ash is absolutely wonderful man, and anybody that has met him would, I know they would echo the same thing. And uh, and you know, just just unreal. I mean, to me, you know, this guy I grew up with, and and I always heard my grandfather, and my father talk about him, and Cotton Ash, Cotton Ash, Cotton Ash. I always wonder. Favorite players, and and another one was Jimmy Dan Connor. And you hear these names, Kevin Greve and Rick Roby and all these guys, you know. And uh, but man, uh, what an interview! What a moment! Uh, just just.
class act. I mean, that's all I can say about him. And, uh, you know, just a wonderful story. And, and we could have talked for days, you know, and, uh, but, uh, I hope everybody appreciates that. And, and, uh, and this is that and, and really, you know, can understand that Cotton Ash is uh epitome of, uh, being a Kentucky fan and, and the love for Kentucky. And, and what a, what a story. I mean, man, that guy, the people he met, the people he touched is, is unreal. Credit it. Uh, well, you, you picked up slack here lately because I've been in, I don't even know how to explain it. I've been in some, some messes here lately, but you've picked up slack and you've done a good job. And how far the show has come since day one, because the first day I've done this show, I've done it by myself. And, and I met Lee on Twitter. <laughs> and, and that's not, still to this yeah. day, the only, the only way I even know Lee is from Twitter. I feel like we're brothers and all that, but you know what I mean? We've never met in person. And the first day I was like, I was like, man, I can talk. Don't get me wrong. I can talk all day, but there's just something missing. And I got to talking to you and I was like, won't you just come on with me? <laughs> and the next thing yeah. you know, <laughs> it was Benny and Lee. It wasn't just Benny. And it's, it's, it's come a long way. We've talked to some people that we would have probably slapped each other for even saying, in the beginning, like we talked to Tony <laughs> Depp, who's who's a hero of both of ours, Reggie Hanson. Yeah, I mean, who we know helped save Kentucky. A lot of people don't realize yeah. that, but he chose he chose to stay when he could have left. And there's guys that we got on the bucket list that we're trying to get. Trust me, we want we want. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it multiple times. We both want Richie Farmer on here. He's kind of hard to get in touch with, but we're gonna figure it out. <laughs> And that's part yeah. of this show. It's a fan show. We know, we know that you guys like the same things we do because we just started this. I I just started this because I couldn't talk enough about Kentucky basketball. It never, it just never leaves my mind. Even during this time, I'm thinking, man, this no. would be so much easier if we had some Kentucky basketball. You know? <laughs> yeah. And 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 you're right, Benny. I mean, the reason we do this is for the fans, and and, and we are, you know, and and I want. It very clear to everybody listening that we are the fans. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, well, yeah, and, and we are doing this for you. I mean, we honestly are, and because with you, I mean, sure, it's about numbers. We love our numbers up high, and and we we have aspirations and goals. But but Benny and I are both Kentucky fans, huge Kentucky fans. I mean, if you don't know that by now, then I don't know what you've been listening to. But maybe the coronavirus has affected your brain, but I don't know. Because, I mean, honestly, though, I mean, we're, we're doing this for you guys as well as ourselves. I mean, because, you know, just to spend time in, in conversation, and we don't meet these guys personally. Sometimes we do. You know, I've met a few, and uh, but and I know Benny's met a few, and, and uh, but we've made some good friends along the way, and, and we can't forget the Memphis Spences and the Terry Browns and, and – and, and and John and and these guys, you know, that are doing the same thing, and we're all in this together. And uh, it, 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 what a ride! I mean, I tell you what, it, it's just been absolutely amazing, Benny. And I appreciate what you've done for me. And I'm telling you, man, you, I don't need any thanks because you know I do this just out of pure love for Kentucky basketball. And if we can get it out to a few more people and, and cover a little more ground for them. Hey, I'm all for it, man. I, I I love it. I love what I do. But we're not getting paid for this. 
you know, we do it out of pure passion for Kentucky basketball. And like Roger Hart says, Big Blue Nation fans are the best fans in the world. And yeah, well, we were thanking people earlier. How could we have forgot about Roger? How many times he's been on there? He's got to be the coach. Yeah, man. Yes, right. <laughs> you know, Roger feels like a drinking buddy, and I, I tell you what, man, I think we're going to have another one in this Bobby and Bobby Blaze Smedley. I think this is one of them guys that's going to be uh, a cool dude. And I don't know if he drinks beer or not, or drinks a, a bourbon every now and then. I hope he does. I mean, being in wrestling, you got to kill the pain, but. You know, I don't I don't know, but, you know, that is one thing that I will tell everybody out there, Benny, is that anybody we've ever had on the show, and, yes, we put them on pedestal just because it's Kentucky basketball, but these guys are always so gracious and so humble and so thankful to be on our podcast. And I'll tell you what, I mean, it, it's just, to me, it's humble. It's just absolutely I can't even explain it, but, you know, like I said, with the Cotton Ash interview and, and speaking with him, it was like talking to my grandfather. It was it was just so – such a wonderful, wonderful experience and uh, something I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And like I said, I still get goosebumps and listening to that interview again. I got goosebumps and teared up in my eyes. So a very, very special, very special moment for me. You know, that's uh, that's one thing, like, I, I don't care to tell people. You and I have private conversations on how do we set ourselves apart, you know, how do we how do we make this something everybody – and I think that's, that's pretty much it because nobody, and I mean nobody, covers forgotten guys like that that were great. And I'm not saying he's forgotten because everybody knows who caught Nash. Nobody wants – they all want to talk about and rightfully so, don't get me wrong, the Anthony Davises and the John Walls. But I think it's great to bring some guys because Kentucky basketball has been here for a long time, folks, and, it's, and it'll be here for yeah. a long time after we're gone. And the and they, they were the pre- Go ahead. No, but I'm just saying, yeah, they were the predecessors. I mean, that that's really what put Kentucky on the map. And, you know, it goes directly to Adolph Rupp. And, and you heard – the one thing I took away from Cotton's interview was the efficiency. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not Adolph Rupp, don't get me wrong. But when I was coaching, you know, the youth leagues and, and the travel teams and, and basketball and baseball, which, you know, I have a lot of relationship with Cotton there just in the basketball-baseball sector. And I love football, too, and I played football, too. But just, you know, but – but the time, you know, we were limited a lot of times to time. And, and you, you know, you had a lot of times you had two-hour practice limits and due mainly to having uh, lighted fields, you know, most of it was done in the daylight. So we had to make good time and good use of our time. So we had to be very efficient and, and fast-moving. And I think that's what Adolph Rupp was doing. And it's interesting to hear Cotton tell about that because – I can imagine Adolph Rupp's practice is just being this station, this station, this station, this station, and, I mean, boom, 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 and you were on time and clicking the whole time. And you could hear him say, you know, about the shoot-arounds. And, and, and by the time they were finished, they were, you know, pretty pretty leg-tired. So then they started running their plays and things. So it's just interesting to hear. And, and I even remember the freshman teams at Kentucky before women's basketball. And, and there you go. So – just good stuff. I mean, and, and that's what you get, too, from these guys. And it's just amazing. 
not to change the subject on your anything, but did you did you see the interview? Oh, Bobby, Bobby Blaze is calling me, so I'm going to tell him to call the other number. Yeah, he's calling okay. me. Okay. Okay. So let me get Bobby. Let me get Bobby straightened out. All right, you go right ahead. So I know we're getting but, Bobby calling in. But the, but what I was going going to there was the uh, Calipari interview with Joe B. Hall. I thought that was amazing. I don't know how many people got to see that. But one thing I found interesting is, is Joe B. said they got on the bus every day and went to rub and practiced. And I, and I think it kind of took Calipari by surprise, and he was just like, really? <laughs> so I'm hoping maybe they'll get in rub and shoot a little bit is what I'm getting at here. Because I think sometimes that's missing and and his teams that they don't get to practice in that gym. I think they should practice there more. And, uh, you know, that's just one thing that I think why they struggle sometimes at home, which they should. I think they should get in that mm-hmm. building a little more. But that's just that's just my thoughts of it. And uh, which we got a little technical difficulties. We got we got him calling the wrong number. <laughs> But that's that is what it is. But I'm sure they'll get him straightened out. We'll get things rolling here. But uh, I listened to that interview and I I really I just enjoyed the heck out of it. The way they admire each other, Joe B and Cal, and uh, the way he the way he treats Joe B. That's that's pretty awesome. And uh, you know you hear a lot of comparisons between Rick and Cal, and I thought it was interesting. <laughs> that they might actually play a, a game in Rupp on in Kentucky. I thought that was interesting because I'm not real sure about their relationship. Sometimes I think it's a love-hate relationship between Rick and Cal. <laughs> but who knows? Yeah, and, uh, and I agree. You know. Do you want me to just I'm, call I'm, him? I'm, I'm, no, I got, I got him. I got him on there now, so let's see what we got here. And, but yeah, it, you know, and, and this is going to be a fun interview too. And uh, I'm going to take just a minute, and uh, you got it, Benny. Yeah, our next guest—he uh, is from Ashland, Kentucky. He is—he uh, he is a former WCW. Wrestler, former heavyweight champion of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, author of his book "Pin Me, Pay Me," and host of Bell to Bell. Blaze, welcome, Bobby Blaze Smithley to the show. How you doing today, Bobby? Hey, is that my cue to be on air or not? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> well, let's wake up, Kentucky. Damn. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Kentucky basketball across the bluegrass with Benny and Lee, and I'm glad to be here, man. Thanks for this opportunity. Not a problem. So, tell us a little bit about your about your books and things, and and what's going on with you. Oh man, what's going with me? Oh right, uh, right now I'm trying to stay isolated like everyone else, I guess. You know, um, just uh, it's a lot of stuff going on out here in the world, of course. So everyone's just trying to take care of each other. So I just. Uh, I hope everyone is trying to stay healthy and safe, and and let's put that out there right now just so everyone knows that. Um, Yeah, with me, you know, um, I wrestled. I I was a wrestling fan from an early age. Uh, I'm an old guy, man. I broke into wrestling September 11th, 1988. 
had my first match over Virginia. Um, so from there, you know, I wrestled all over the world, got to visit a lot of countries, uh, which I'll talk about if you ask. Uh, but, but quite frankly, let me just put my books out there real quickly and my contact. Um, I'm only on uh, Twitter. I'm at BobbyBlaze744, so let's get that out of the way. I don't have any Facebook, no Instagram, none of the other stuff. My social media is at BobbyBlaze744. With that said, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak about my books. I have several, but my main two about wrestling are my first one, which is called Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost Will Travel. And my second book is called um, I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. And if I can, I'll yeah. get these links right now, and then we'll go from there. Um, on the links, if you go to Amazon, just look for Bobby Blaze Medley, you'll find my stuff. But if you'd like to, it would be a big help to me, and I appreciate it. If you go, if you want the first book, Pin Me, Pay Me, tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. Also, if you want I kick that on two, you go to tinyurl.com blaze slash blazebook2. Blazebook1, blazebook2, or just go to Amazon. And I'll, I'm not even going to plug them anymore, man. Just talk away. Let's have a conversation. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. It's Lee, man. Welcome hey. to the show. And I tell you what, man, you, you, you've been on the radar for a long time, and we, we finally found a moment to get you in it. Unfortunately, it had to be because March Madness was canceled. Are you okay with that? Oh, uh, <laughs> man, no, I'm not. I love March Madness. I'm glad to be on a show, but, man, <laughs> I, love, look, I love basketball across Kentucky. I'm not going to lie. I'm a ba- basketball is my first love. So, And I don't care if you're a casual fan or not. You don't have to like basketball. Everyone loves March Madness. Of course I'm hot about that. But I'm glad yeah. to be on the show, so thank you. <laughs> but, but you know, no, thank you. And, you know, it, it's funny, and, and I'm just jumping all over Benny, but I'm going to give him a minute to ask you a question after this one. But, you know, sure, man, sure. I tell you what, what you've done, it's, it's nothing short of amazing to me. And, and growing up a wrestling fan back in the day, and we've got a lot of stuff to talk to you about. We're going to try to cram it in. But I tell you what, if we, if we don't get it all in today, we'll have you back for sure. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. I I think your books are great and and what you're doing. And did you you mention your podcast, Bell to Bell Blaze? I know you're doing that, too. Well, right now, yeah, I I am uh, with my partner. Let me give a shout-out to Jeremy out there. Um, He's my podcast partner out in California. And then I've got another partner that takes care of a YouTube page, Otex. He's down in uh, South Carolina. And we won't hold that against these guys. You know what I'm saying? Due to some personal things, health-wise, um, myself included, um, which has nothing going on with the current environment today, uh, all three of us had to take a break, to be quite honest. So, yeah, I do have the Bell to Bell Blaze podcast, but right now it is on hiatus. And we just took a small break from that. Um, and all three of us have some personal health issues, and I'll leave it at that, okay? Yeah, so, and I hope you're okay. But I think... We're all good. We're, yeah, it, it's going to get better. I'll just say that. It's going to get better. Yeah. Don't feel bad, Bobby, because, so. you know, that, you that's one that. thing. Yeah. Well, my me, me, throat, and obviously my throat isn't sore right now, okay? That was in January. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what I couldn't well, talk I for a couple not. days, what I couldn't talk I for a couple not, days, look I, here. Once I got released from that hospital, I ain't shut up. <laughs> yeah, and, and I tell you, and, and, but and Bobby, and not, not alluding this to you in, in any way whatsoever, but I heard I hear lately that Jamal Murray's making some sore throats himself. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're gonna leave it there. But but, but, but honestly, but, but, but honestly, Bobby, 
I mean, it's great to have you, brother. And I'm going to tell you something, man. Don't feel old on this show because me, you, and Roger Harden have one thing in common. We were born in the same year. So, you know, we're, okay. we're old, man. We're old. But uh, Benny, go ahead. Yeah. Ask away, Benny, because I've got a lot of questions for Bobby. You go ahead now. All right. I was just yeah. Ask hey, I'm pretty now. open. So I'm an open book. Ask away. I kind of live in Ashland now, but I was, I was born out, well, I was raised at Mount Sterling. I know you probably know where that's at, but I was going to ask you about I your Ashland is. times. Oh, man, Ashland times is, you know, when I grew up, I moved here. Uh, I was born here, actually, uh, a long time ago, as Lee said, but uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't move back here until 1969. I was a few months old. I moved from here, so I didn't come back to 1969, and, and, and it's my home for the most part growing up in the 70s and 80s. Uh, outside of traveling, um, going to college for a couple of years, I did play some JUCO basketball down at, at, at what was known then as Lee's Junior College. But I played for Ashland Blazer. Yeah, uh, you may have heard of them. They're thirty-three and zero this year, and there's no state tournament. So there's another reason <laughs> why it's hot. Excuse the f bomb. But I played for the Tomcats back in the day, etc. But uh, yeah, growing up in Ashland back then was a lot different because it was a steel mill town, and uh, you know small town sports ruled. And, um, you know, basketball across the bluegrass world, man. Everyone, you know, loved, loved basketball. Uh, that was my, like I said, that was my first love. And that's what I played way down on 27th Street and took my game down to the park, uh, Central Park in Ashland. And uh, at some point, I become a wrestling fan. I had been a fan my whole life. But around 15, I thought, man, one day I want to do that. Even if it's just one match and someone kills me, I want to do that one day. But uh, so I did. But, yeah, that, that's kind of me. One thing, Bobby, there you touched on, uh, you became a wrestling fan early. Can you tell us some of your favorite wrestlers and, and what who drew you into wrestling? Oh, yeah, you know, my all-time favorite, as I got more and more into the wrestling business, uh, uh, when I was a fan, of course, uh, uh, was Terry Funk. Man, I loved the way he spoke. I found out later that Terry he Funk. emulated my trainer, who was a professor, Boris Malenko, uh, who was who, my mentor and trainer last minute. But, uh, yeah, when I yep. first started watching, I'm talking about, we're talking to Sheik and Bobo Bazil, and those were just characters on TV uh, when I was about six or seven years old. But then when I was about 10 or 11, my brother came running. We moved to Kentucky by then, and my brother came running outside, and I'd given up on wrestling like I hadn't watched it because I was into sports, you know, football, basketball, baseball, et cetera. And, and um, he said, Bob, you got to see this. you got to see this on TV. And it was on a Saturday morning, about 11 o'clock, 11.30, you know, noon, whatever, and in that time frame. And we went inside, a little black and white TV, and there was professional wrestling, and it was Bill Dundee. And that's his favorite wrestler, you know. And so what it was, it was the old Memphis taping uh, that came out of Memphis. So the next week, we sat down and watched. I said, Jim, that's pro wrestling. And he was like, what, what? And it was going off. And so the next week we watched, and of course, it Jerry the King Lawler and all those guys. And man, I just saw yep. right back in love. And so those guys, and of course, wrestling Jerry the King Lawler when I was back in Smoky Mountain Wrestling and got to live a dream, basically. But my favorites probably were, were you know, like um, I'd get to see guys, like I said, um, Terry Funk, Jerry Lawler, uh, uh, Rick Flair, of course. Hardy Race was great. I loved to see him, Dory Funk Jr. Yeah. I loved all the NWA champions. Um, even though Nick Bockwink was one of the greatest, you know, I just loved all these guys because it, it brought me to it. But also, I loved the bad guys when I was younger, too. I just thought, man, them guys, they're the baddest cat around. 
and no one's going to mess yeah. with one of those guys, man. You know, they got to do everything. <laughs> they would do anything to win, and I like that, man. So, yeah, that's, you, that's, that's background. And you, you had a pretty famous match back in the day with Jerry the King Lawler. That, that put you on the map, didn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had been in um, – in, in, people take it what it's worth. I'm not these people go around patting myself on the back or tooting my own horn, but toot, toot. Just saying. <laughs> um, I was like 261 ranked in the top uh, PWI top 500. And, um, you know, that, that's pretty good. And I've been in the PWI Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, wrestling magazines, and then in 1995, um, I had a I had a build up match with Jerry the King Lawler at the Civic Coliseum in Knoxville Civic uh, Coliseum at a show called Sunday Bloody Sunday. I worked for Jim Cornette, another great Kentucky guy. You may have heard of him, uh, and I am a Cornette guy. But uh, the booking was on the wall, you know, and so I wrestled Jerry Lawler in Knoxville. I pinned him, and I become the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Champion. And I moved up to the top 109th professional wrestling in the world wrestler in the world at that time, and so I got a lot of notoriety out of that, and that was a good push for my career. Um, and it's all because, you know, I, at that point in my life, um, I, under, I started under, I understood the business, and luckily, you know, like Jim Cornette was a great booker and a great mind for the business, and Jerry Lawler was was always a great business mind and willing to do work, and and some other guys involved, Buddy Landell, Dirty White Boy, et cetera. The whole thing was a whole plug-in for this this big company that that I worked for, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. But the bottom line is, you know, we all worked for the match, we worked for the card, and that's what got it all over because we understood business and we was doing business, and that's that's it, man. Right. You know, and I talk about that pin me, pay me. Uh, I talk about the yep. whole Smoky Mountain run. And, and, and wasn't it with Jerry Lawler that that was unscripted, it just off the hook, and you guys just went with it, and you, you did you did it? Oh yeah, you just you know, like I said, it's just it's, it's good. It's what the put it this way: it, the the tough the you know the best um, toughest most overholding professional wrestling is. It's the it's the office hold. They can either hold your back yeah. or they can push you, and, and they got a pencil. Yeah. And on that particular day, uh, Bobby Blaze may have got a push. <laughs> How about that? Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, man. That's you know, people ask me a lot of times, and, and, it's, and it's kind of what we alluded to earlier. Like, I grew up watching Jerry the King Lawler, you know, every Saturday morning, and then here I am, you know, a few years later, and I'm getting a wrestler guy, not just wrestle him on TV uh, or every night, but to wrestle them in front of a, you know, capacity crowd at the uh, Knoxville Civic Coliseum for the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight title in something that's going to lead to something even bigger. So we was like, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good thing. And here's the thing, guys. Sometimes my brother and my friends and a, a couple of my friends, they have to remind me, these are things you've done, Bob. You know, like, you don't realize how over it is beating Jerry the King Lawler. And I'm like, yeah, because sometimes I forget because I stay pretty humble. Uh, but, but, you know, that's the truth, man. It's just uh, I try to stay humble, and I, I, I appreciate the, the, the notoriety of professional wrestling uh, has given me. And, and I'm so glad that I got a chance to live my dream inside the squared circle. Yeah, and I, I think uh, – I know one thing Benny was – we were talking about earlier is so you're still in Ashland. Is that correct? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm still in Ashland, and um, I guess I'm quarantined right now for Ashland for a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, this is no basketball, no opening day. Um, you know, I was yeah. going to go to my uh, out of town to watch opening day, not at the game, but at least go down and watch a, a game uh, out of town, and now that's going to not happen. Of course, I'm not saying I would have went to state this year, but I would have probably went to state this year and watched the Tomcats, and I'd have probably been watching yeah. a bunch of, bunch of basketball. And, um yeah, right from now, I'm just quarantined in Ashland, man. And uh, I caught, you know, parts unknown, otherwise known as Ashland, Kentucky, you know. Um, <laughs> hey, by the way, you know where Tubelo, Mississippi is? Oh, I've, I've been there many times. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, that's right below one below, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, right. yeah. <laughs> right below one below, yeah. Okay, yes, just sir. making sure. Yeah, all those great towns <laughs> back in the Memphis Territory, so – yeah. Anyway, y'all still in Ashland. Hey, by All the right, way, Benny. you guys are doing you guys are doing sports announcing, right? Yes, sir. Sports writing. And I'm gonna tell you something happened to me. I'm not gonna tell you I'm proud of this, but I'm proud of this. I had a sports <laughs> reporter come up to me one time. This is no lie. I had a sports reporter come up to me one time. He said, Bobby Blaze, Bobby Blaze, man, it's nice to see you meet you. And I was like, Yeah, it's nice. He goes, You know who my favorite Favorite all-time five Kentuckians are, and I'm like, no, who? And he goes, well, first off is uh, Adolph Rupp, and I said, oh man, that's a good choice, you know. He goes, and, and second off, Muhammad Ali, and I said, oh man, you know this guy, he got a good top five. And he goes, Hunter S. Thompson, I go, wow, that's good. And then he goes, uh, uh, George Clooney, and I'm like, man, that's four. So let me guess, let me guess, I know number five, me, right? And he said, no, Billy Ray Cyrus. You know what? I'm not telling you his ass. I knocked every hey. finger around his ass. You know what hey. I'm saying? I'm going to be a top five Kentuckian. <laughs> I, I'll tell you something, Bobby. You had a better bullet than he did. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you had a better bullet. But I think, hey, 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 I'm going to tell you something, though. I, th- I think old Lee here trumped all of you. I think I had a better mullet than you and George Clooney. And we, we might just have to have a contest on Twitter about that. I hear that. Let's get a mullet. Hey, I tell you what, Ricky Morton's still rocking a good mullet from the Rock and Roll. That's tough, man. Well, he's going to Joe Dirt and Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> well, according to Cotton Ash, he had some hair that Billy Morton didn't like, so he might even win that thing. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. You, you know what? Them. Let me tell you something. I, was up in, I didn't know what a mullet was. I was up in Cleveland, Ohio. Actually, I was on a loop in Cleveland, Ohio, and um, I was in a ring with a, a dear friend of mine in the wrestling business who's who along with us named J.T. Lightning. I was on a three-day loop, and this is no lie. I was on Friday night in Sandusky, Ohio, in this building, and we locked up in about the third match. And there was about 500 people there. It was in a theater. So the, the ring was down where the, 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 the uh, screen used to be. And this is not a lie. Straight truth. And so we're there, and all the people's around three sides of it. And I lock up with them, and I back away to the corner like he's pushing me, but I'm pulling him, of course. We're working together. And the referee comes over, and I start to play, he's pulling my hair. And about the time I put my hand up to say, hey, ref, he's pulling my hair, some guy in the front row says, hey, ref, he pulled his mullet. And I turn around, and everyone started popping, they started cracking up laughing. I turn around, and I said, What's the is a mullet? I use the F word, but I said, "What the F is a mullet?" And everyone's like, "I've got this country accent, this and that." 
Well, then I lost it with JT again. I said, what the fuck's the mullet, JT? And he, he, I pull him, but I'm, I'm pulling him to a corner like he's pushing me. And he goes, it's your hair, Bobby. It's your hair. They're making fun of your hair. <laughs> he said, say it again. So I let him go, and I looked at the referee, and I said, hey, ref, he's pulling my mullet. And that place went crazy. And from the next 15, 20 minutes match, we had a meeting out of our hands. It was so easy uh, just working at crowds, you know, because – I had no, I had never heard what a mullet was until someone yelled it out in Sandusky, Ohio. Uh, but anyway, yeah, let's rock the mullets, man. So <laughs> yeah. tell us a little bit about about your uh, your other country experiences you was talking about earlier. I was kind of curious about that. I, I know oh, yeah. some of us rednecks in other countries well, don't I've, always work out so well. <laughs> I've been to West Virginia. Does that count? I've been yeah, to that West counts. Virginia. <laughs> No, so yeah, I got the. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there, guys. You know, hell, I've been to Tennessee a few times too. What are you gonna say, right? I dated, I dated a girl from Alabama once, just once. I'm gonna tell you, that was enough. But anyway, <laughs> uh, other countries, what? yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I got yeah. my big break um, actually with a contract and working full time up in Canada, out in the, um, the Maritimes, which is uh, new. Uh, I was out in Moncton, Nebraska, uh, Nebraska, Moncton, uh, um, um, New Brunswick, uh, uh, out there in Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island, and I stayed out there for about 16, 18 weeks. I did that a couple of times. That was a seasonal territory, and I got a lot of good experience there. Um, the, the next big tour I went on was I went to South Africa. Uh, I was in South Africa in 92, man, right after, shortly after the apartheid ended. I was in the airport, and the guy behind me, Rotten Ron Starr, uh, he was going, Bobby, Bobby. And I swear to you folks, I'm, I'm not making this up. God's honest truth. And he's like, Bobby, Bobby. He's whispering. But I, I hear all this murmuring in the airport, Johannesburg. And um, it's like the parting of the Red Sea. I kid you not. And right when I turned back to see what he was saying, Noticed my bag was out in the, the aisle just a little bit, and there's thousands of people in this airport. And man, it was Nelson Mandela coming through. He was he'd been in Switzerland. A big Swiss flight had just come in, and, and we were standing in line for to get cleared for customs. And here's Nelson Mandela walked right off my right hand side as soon as I moved my bag with his security right around us. It was like I was in South Africa, crazy man. Um, I've been to Japan five times. Uh, I've been to Australia. I was in Australia for about 30 days. And I've been to England. I went to England. I got to go all over England. I can't even tell you all the cities I went to in England because I was there 31 days or, or 21 or 28 or I don't know. Hell, I was there. I know that. <laughs> you know, just a lot of places I got to go, man. Um, and, and in Australia, we got to go to every uh, state with the exception of Tasmania out on the island. But I've got to go all over Australia at the time um, on a big wrestling riot tour. I've been all over the U.S. in 48 states. Um, that I've wrestled, I'm sorry, 42 states that I've wrestled in, uh, 48 that I've been to, which I've been really blessed. Um, I've flown over Hawaii, you know, but um, I don't know if you want to count that. I'm sorry, I went to Hawaii, flown over Alaska. Let me get that straight because I have been to Hawaii. I've been to Hawaii a couple, three times. I've been really lucky that way. But, uh, yeah, I've only got to fly over to Alaska. I didn't get to, you know, stay there or anything like that. But, yeah, I've been all over the place, man. And um, now I'm just old, beat up, and bitching, and moaning, and, and uh, <laughs> but I'm happy to be alive, man. <laughs> we, we all do. And, 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 Bobby, you've probably been to about 40, at least 40 more states than I have. But, you know, I want to ask you, do, do you remember ICW wrestling? 
Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. That was the demise of the Angel Apostle, the Macho Man's dad, ran that. Yeah. And that was a Macho Savage, Man yeah. and, and, and Lanny Apostle and, and Hustler Rip Rogers. Yeah. Let me give a shout out. Hustler Rip Rogers was there. He's a good friend of mine to this day. We talk every once in a while uh, via yeah. Twitter or a personal appearance if we're on the same show together somewhere. He's like me. He don't like to get out too much either. But, uh, yeah, oh, the ICW was great, man. We had Memphis Wrestling. We had ICW. And then eventually we got to do um, on Saturday nights at the 605. We had that, you know, on TBS. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, man. I see Debbie, you know, that Leap and Lanny Popo, uh, Pistol Pez Watley. Remember those guys, too? Macho Man oh, Savage. Yeah. I, uh, I, I used to talk uh, to Pistol Pez Watley yeah, all the time. Crazy. And Pez Watley used to tell me, he said, man, he said, him and, and they had Bob Wharton Jr. Steve Malenko was there. Uh, yeah. uh, Ronnie yeah, Garvin was there. They had some legitimate yeah. tough wrestlers. And Pez Watley, yeah. you know, he's a legitimate uh, amateur college, uh, collegiate wrestler. And he told me, he said, man, he said, you don't mean nights. I had to get out that ring and fight Bob Wharton Jr. Hand and, hand and tooth just to get a match at cross yeah. because they'd been there shooting, you know, back in the day. Right. Them guys would do the first five minutes. Let's make this real. And they'd wrestle to right. stay in shape and for pride. And Malenko, when I first met him, you know, I, I didn't meet him until later on. But he had been up there like 78 and 79, uh, maybe even 80, and out in the old Knoxville area out there in southeastern wrestling with the Fullers. I mean, yeah. oh, them, that ICW had some hellacious talent, uh, talented guys back in the day. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and this is this is a great story too because I, I've I heard the Undertaker. You know, they drove from Texas. He drove from Texas with his brother, and, and they would drive up to ICW matches you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles for just a couple hundred dollars a show. And tell us yeah. a little bit about that. I mean, what what experience, how do you relate to that? I mean, the the payoffs weren't that great, and I think that relates a lot to your book, and pay me, uh, oh, pay yeah. me, pay me. So, so tell us a little bit lot. about that, because, I mean, there's a lot of mileage in there. Of course, gas was cheap back then, but still, the payoff, man, it was a lot of sacrifice for oh, the body. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my first payoff, I was in Hayside, Virginia, like I said, September 11th, 1988. I went to Hayside, Virginia, man. My payoff was $35 and a, um, a, a pizza dinner with the promoter and, and a guy I got to wrestle against because he got me booked. And, and I thought I knew everything about professional wrestling. The guy's name was Rick Newsom, but uh, I didn't know anything. I had about 10 or 12 matches, and I was going all over Kentucky because uh, the, next, the next several shows the guy ran were in Kentucky. And I was making $35 driving to, like, E-Town or Lexington or, uh, you know, places like that for these little small shows. And, uh, you know, you're doing hundreds of miles round trip. You're leaving at, you know, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and you're getting back at 4 o'clock in the uh, morning, you know, those type of things. When I was in Canada, same thing. You know, one one week we had an extra couple of towns to do. We were doing about 2,000 miles a week up there because it's seven nights a week up there and twice on Sundays if you had an afternoon show. And uh, back then, we paid, if you're the driver, um, rotated drivers through cars, but uh, three or four guys traveling together. And sometimes you got lucky back then to ride a ring truck when I was young. But, you know, you pay like 12 cents an hour, uh, a mile. And so, you know, you go so many miles, 100 miles, whatever, figure it up. You're getting gas money from the other guys, but the wear and tear on your car, you're just tearing it down, tearing it down. And then you go yep. get your paycheck. And we was making $500 a week. And you think, wow, this is... This was like 1991 or 92, and you're thinking, oh, man, I'm living on top of the world, 500 Then I found out it's fucking Canadian money. It's like Monopoly money. So it ended up being like yeah. an exchange rate, like $400, $425, and you're sitting there, you figure it up. Well, that's about 65 or $75 a night, 
and you're doing 2,400 miles, 2,000, 2,400 miles uh, uh, per week, and you're sitting there going, yeah. um, who, who, who's, who's the real fan and who's the real mark? We're out there fucking getting hit in the head, uh, getting a shit beat out every night, and it's equal $67 a night. And that's not counting yep. my gas money, my food money, my beer money, or when I want to stay at that night. You know what I'm saying? So, right. you know, who's I, the, who's the, we love the business. You know, we do it for the fans. You can go out there at 6 o'clock. You get to that town at 5 o'clock. You've been traveling. Your knees hurt, this hurt, that hurt. And you're like, oh, there's a few people that are straggling in the building. 6 o'clock, a few more come in. No, it's a 7 o'clock show. 6.20 comes around. A few more people come in. You know, et cetera, et cetera. And as you ease out through there right. and you see that crowd, you pull those knee pads yep. up and you go. You know, this. these people, yep. myself included, being a fan, they paid eight bucks for a folding chair. You better give them yep. every damn last dollar. They may have had to get babysitters if they got kids, but they paid $8 for that folding chair. They may have been, you know, sacrificed their work that day uh, and worked eight or ten hours. You better give them the same amount of money, whether you're wrestling at WrestleMania, or what, which I never did. I'm just saying because that's, you know, something that, again, is canceled. But um, that's like my Super Bowl. That's when I really do watch wrestling more. But, you know, if you yep. pay $8 for a ticket, I know one thing. I'm going to give you the best match I can give you, and I'm going to leave everything out there in that ring for you. And, and 99% of the guys I worked with, did the same thing because they were fans also, and we knew you had to give back. And if it wasn't for the fans, we wouldn't have a business. And that's been evident the last few weeks, obviously, with everything shutting down and stuff, that the wrestling business, it thrives on fans, you know. And yep. uh, you got to get them. you got to talk them in and work them in and draw them in to see the ICW show or the WCW show or the WWE show right. or, or, or whatever it is you, you prefer nowadays, you know. Um, yeah, people work hard for that money. You better give them a good show, man. And, and, and you mentioned there's a lot Go of ahead, folks. You know, you know, you like you look at Kevin Durant, people like that. You think, oh, they got it made, they got all this money. But there's a lot of guys in a lot of sports that don't make the money that Kevin Durant make, and they live just like we do. You know, check to check. I'm not saying they don't oh, make yeah. more, but but they're they're spending and, their money. You know what I'm saying? And they're, and they're hurt. Oh, yeah. Just like we are. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's the thing. Um, even these top, these top level athletes, man, when I was talking about opening day, you're talking about Kevin Durant and stuff. You're talking about NWA, um, MLW, um, NWA, um, uh, Major League Baseball Center right now. Everyone's going to take a hit, man. And, you know, some of those guys, you know, you might be, think about this. You're the 12th player on the Lakers team. He's not LeBron James, you know what I'm saying? But he's got money. He's making some money, but the bottom line is he's not making that superstar money. There's only a few, quote, superstars in the NBA. Or think about all the great guys, the great talent, the great athletes that play for the University of Kentucky that take it to that next level, whether it be MLB or, or NFL or NBA. Um, unless they're an elite star, man, they got to just make a living just like everyone else, you know what I'm saying? So they depend on that paycheck, and they're depending on fans coming to that arena because them owners got to make that money. From the first time you sell a ticket, it becomes a business. And, and it, you know, it, it's, like I said, man, it's a tough business. I know that. 
And right now, it's yeah. tough thing. what's the old Cheech and Chong movie? Things are tough all over. You know what I'm saying? You just got to <laughs> do your best. And, and, and you know what? And, and, Bobby, I'll tell you, you know, Jim Ross, and everybody knows Jim Ross, WWE, WCW, and uh, Jim Ross thinks very highly of you. And what I want to ask you, and you had a couple really good years with WCW. I mean, that, that, that's Epicon. That, that's, that is it. That's, that's where you want to be. And WCW is now WWE. So what do you think, and, and, and I'm not trying to pick at you here a little bit at all, but you were there for a little over two years, roughly two years. Uh, why didn't you make it? Because we loved you. And a lot of people well, did love you. So what, why do you think you didn't make it into the mainstream like some of these other guys? Well, sometimes, you know, here's the thing. Like I said, it's a booker. You know, the writing's on a wall sometimes, man. Um, when I first well, – I had a chance to, to go and um, – uh, with Smoky Mountain shut down, I, had, I was already in negotiations with uh, uh, WCW, but they weren't doing contracts. They were doing nightly gigs. And um, so uh, – I had talked to and spoken with uh, Kevin Sullivan and, and Paul Warndorf and these guys, blah, blah, blah. But basically what it amounts to is um, once, uh, once I, I went overseas, uh, as soon as they shut down, I started going back overseas. And, and here's the deal with WCW, just to give you an idea how close things can happen to you and how things don't happen to you. You know, okay, first mm-hmm. of all, there are several ingredients that make a great professional wrestling. It's going to give you, like, if you're making a cake, you need flour, sugar, milk, and eggs. That's four ingredients. Okay. Well, professional wrestling, you need about three or four things as well. It really stand out. Of course, one, you have to be a good mouthpiece. Be able to talk. That gets you over. Number two, first of all, you have to go to wrestle and work. That's number one. Then be able right. to talk. That's you had two, that. two things are your favorite. And, and third, and, and you, you had a great that. body. You had that. Yeah, you had that by training with Boris Malenko. You had you had right. you had all the, the gifts, yes. Right. But here's what happened. So you start here, there's hundred and fifty guys on contract with Turner Sports, okay? Turner Broadcasting. My check came every two weeks from uh, FedEx, which was ridiculous to pay. FedEx twenty five dollars what it was back in the day, they send you a check every two weeks. But they did it for hundred and fifty guys, sometimes more, hundred and sixty. Um, you got all these guys on contract. Then you start hearing these murmurs, okay? And I knew when my contract started, what my deal was. I was going to be at one point, this is back when, when they was doing the nitros and, 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 and doing the uh, the, yeah. um, the Raws was on, you know, that was the competition. WCW Nitro, Nitro yeah. Night, the, yeah. the, the wars, you know. I was going to be. Yeah, Raws, um, war, yeah. And, and instead, of, and instead of Nitro and instead of like uh, um, at the time on WWF, WWE, uh, they had Rob Van Dam doing Mr. Mr. Monday Night for a quote short period of time. They was going to make me Mr. Saturday Night. I was going to win every Saturday Night match on TBS, and I thought, man, what a great place. That, I loved it growing yep. up, right? And I thought, so I went in with a whole different uh, – that was just one thing that was mentioned to me. And then it was like, you know, I was supposed to have competitive, competitive matches with this person, that person, whatever. But here's the bottom line. It's a business. Like I said, uh, Turner Sports. Um they went from 150 people on contract. When we show up at these arenas across the country, there'd be 70 or 80 guys out of about 160, 150 people that would be there, and a lot of us didn't even work. We'd go in and eat with catering after being flown all over the country, um, doing two and three, five nights in a row, and you'd be on a road and not even work. But they're still paying your salary and for catering, um, and you'd go home. So 
That cut right. down like 75 people. When all these business cuts started taking place, they cut down 75 right. people. I made that cut, and I was like, whew, okay, I still got a job. Still doing my job. Um, I, again, at this point, I already knew what my job was. At that point, I, I become enhancement talent. I'll make these guys look good because I got a job. Like Art Anderson said, Bobby, don't give him a reason to fire you. He told me that one day. He didn't have to. He walked up one day. I was getting a tea in catering. He walked right beside me getting a coffee. He just slowly looked out, not to me, but directly to like the canteen. He said, don't give him a reason to fire you. Never say no. I said, yes, sir. I knew what he meant. I'm going to do my damn job. So it went to 75 people. Well, a couple months go by. I'm still working. That 75 cuts down to 60 people. Holy shit. Now there's 12 more people gone, 13, 15, whatever. Um, yeah, 75 goes to 60, and I'm still working. I still got a check coming. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, just shut your mouth and do your job. Even Jimmy Hart at that time said, Bobby, I'm just trying to keep a lot of people in their jobs. That 60 people went down to 52. And I was still there with 52 people. And then at 52, went down to 45. I was in that last cut of 12. That's how long I lasted during those pay cuts over that period. So someone liked me. And I, I know a few people did. J.J. Dillon, uh, uh, Terry Taylor, Paul Orndorff, Kevin Sullivan, because I knew my job was. You know what I'm saying? But when at that point you had those 40, 40, 40 guys left roughly, about and that's when WWF slash WWE bought them out, and um, out of those forty contracts, about twenty five of them were guaranteed that it ended up either you know your your people either stayed home and collected a check or the one that said hey uh, I'm going to go over WWF right now and sign and, and take a chance because either way they just survived. And now you're talking about your Ric Flair's, your Goldberg's, your 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 um, uh, DDPs. Uh, Booker T. I admire those guys because they, they, you know, Goldberg stayed home at that time, drawing a check. But if you remember DDP and and, and Booker T. and some of those guys, those are top stars that jumped over and made yeah. a lot more money than what they would have stayed home making. So I was down to like the 42 people out of 150 people. I consider myself uh, grateful to even have been given that chance. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yep, my talent, and, and like a guy told me at the gym a couple weeks ago, I like, I never figured that out. I never figured that out. Just talking to this guy, he's about 40 years old, but he's been a wrestling fan. I've known him for a long time. And he said, man, he said, because you don't realize it. And like I said, sometimes my brother, my friends, they have to tell me, you don't realize it. You had a lot of talent. You had a good body. You did everything they asked you to do. You was a superb athlete. And, and I was a pretty good athlete. I, was, I won't say superb. I was a good athlete. Um, and if you go and if you watch um, right now, it's called a gentleman's agreement on YouTube at the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. There's a match. There's two matches with Dan Severn and myself. That's the 30 minutes broken down, and it's Dan Severn and I speaking on the phone a few months back, a few months back about that match. And when you see that match, especially the second one, uh, I had to tell my brother this. I said I don't say this much, but here's the thing: it realized I even told one of my sons this. Um, it made me look at that match because I had to watch it doing an interview with him and reflecting back, and it made me realize what good of shape I was in, how good a wrestler I was, and also what a great athlete I had been. So it's, it's good and it's bad because you have to reflect sometimes, but, man, I had that chance, you know, and I made the most of it. And I, I, all that is, I'm appreciative, man. That's all I can tell you. I'm so appreciative for the things I have. Uh, the things I've done, the people I've met, 
like talking to you guys. It just it makes I've looked forward to this for the last couple of days, man. Just knowing, okay, it's coming, man. You get to talk Sunday night on a podcast. Let them know what's going on, you know. And I'm not here trying to sell you books. I'm not here trying to market your books. I'm just talking to you as a wrestler fan, as a as a former professional wrestler, and someone that's just trying to live their life right now in quarantine in Ashland, Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, and, and Bobby, you know, I'm going to tell you, man, it, what what's impressive is what you have done, and. and and it's no different than anybody in Big Blue Nation. It's all about passion, and it's what you love. And and we can tell honestly that that you cared and you loved what you did, and and oh, and you yeah. and you found the hole in, in it, and you you made it work for you. And it, to me, it, it's very impressive because we cannot say that a lot about anybody from Kentucky. And I mean, just to spend a couple of years in, in WCW and and training with Boris Malenko. To me, that that means a lot, and and wrestling fans know it. they get it. And uh, oh yeah, they get and, it. The, the true we, fans do get it. And we and we love having you, man. And I'll tell you what, we're going to have you on again, okay? If that's all right with you, we'd so. love to have you back. And, and okay, yes. I want to ask you one thing. Great. I want to ask you one thing though. All right, because yeah, I grew up with these guys. You you made the deep. Dallas Diamond Page and, and and these guys and, and I grew up a big Dicks fan and uh and, and and was there in the WCW wars and and man I mean what cool stuff and you know and and I don't even like to look at it this way that that you almost made it I think you made it brother you made it you made it to well, even be on you. WCW for the time you were you made it man and and that's why we had you on that means a lot believe me thank you so to, much to me. To, to me, you're a hero, and, and you're a great representative from Kentucky. And uh, but tell us, tell us your favorite Kentucky basketball player, and and your favorite wrestler. Give, give only one, uh, only one. All right, only one. Oh man, jeez, uh, man, you put me on a spot with favorite Kentucky basketball. <laughs> I'm gonna say this real quickly. Let me say it. My favorite Kentucky dunk ever was Dirk Minifield that they show on Twitter. Oh, hell yeah. Or the Facebook. Oh. When he just dunked yeah. the fuck out of it. That's my favorite UK <laughs> dunk at all time. My favorite player. Just stop. Oh, just man. Stop my just favorite stop. player. My favorite player, man. Oh, you're putting me on a line. But you know who I'm going to say? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> They're crazy. Jeez, crazy. That's, tough. that's a tough one. Let me think. If I had to pick one guy. I'm a, I'm a, you guys are not going to like this choice, I don't think. Um, but um, if you just say, okay, Bobby, pick one, you know who I'm saying? Number 44, yeah. Dan Issel. That's who I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, you know, Dan, that's a good Dan was one. on you our show. You can't go wrong with Dan Issel. We've had Dan Issel. Yeah, Dan Issel was on our show. He's one of the all-time greats. When I became a basketball fan, he already played for Kentucky Colonels. So the first real person – that played for UK that I remember was Kevin Greavy that year. But, oh, uh, yeah, man. I'm a Dan Issel fan because I went back and watched that footage of a big man. And I'm up to throw us out there for all you little people. I like, uh, I like uh, Wes Unsell from Louisville, too. So I, I'm old school, okay? So, of course, Daryl Griffin yep. up there for Dr. Duncanstein. So, uh, favorite I'm... wrestler, uh, I've already said Terry Funk because he was a great promo guy. Uh, a great yep. heel in the wrestling business, drew a lot of money. He was a, a NWA champion. Like I said, I grew up thinking that the NWA, I didn't pay much attention to that, that WWF title back in the day, 
I, I knew it was out there with his WWWF and WWWF and, and all those things. But um, in AWA, you had your Brock Winkle, your lawyers, lawyers and stuff. I'm just saying, probably for NWA, that's one of my favorite favorite wrestlers. But those those guys to me, Dory Funk Jr., um, uh, Harley Race, and Ric Flair, they was true champions to me. So my, yeah. my favorite there was Terry Funk because he held a title when he was a bad guy, touring the country as a heel, yeah. you know, and, and just to draw people in talking and then beating the shit out of local people. And then when it when it comes time to put the title line, he, he, he kept defending that title and he talked them into the building. Uh, one of the greatest matches ever is the empty arena match with uh, uh, Jerry the King Lawler and Terry Funk with uh, um, uh, Lance Russell announcing it in the empty arena. You know, the old, you know, my, my, yeah. Lance, my, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Terry Funk's probably my all-time <laughs> favorite, you know. So, I was always a big yeah, American hope- Dream fan, too. But Oh, hell, you can't but, go wrong with Big Stardust himself. Hell you? no. Let me tell you something, Daddy. You know, you can't go wrong having him as a top guy. <laughs> Great hey, guy. Bobby. Bobby, it's been great, brother, and we are going to have you back on because you, you were everything we thought you'd be. I mean, I tell you what, buddy, I wish I was, I wish I was sitting with you right now in a bar, but all the bars are closed in Kentucky, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I'd well, love to be sitting with you and Benny. Hey, you know, what, what I was going to say is when people read my books, they say, Bobby, it's like just riding down the street with you to car to the next town or sitting at the bar and having a cold beer with you because you tell it like this. So excuse the rough edges and some of the rough language sometimes, but that's the way I want to make you feel because that's who I am. And if you have to bleach things out, I understand. But that's the way I want you to feel because when I tell you those stories, I'm telling you from my heart. I'm telling you with the passion. And I'm just telling you, you know, that's just the way I am and that's who I am. So, so thanks for asking me those things, and thanks for letting me be on this show. And, and like I said, if one of you all asks me who your top five favorite Kentuckians are, don't fucking put Billy Ray Cyrus where I should be at. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no. I'm supposed to be number five, man. Come on, get it right. We're going to compare the mullet. Hey, Bobby, we yeah, really appreciate great. you coming Thank on. You guys. It's, it's been entertaining. Care, we got about 30 seconds. <laughs> Have a good one, brother. Right, those 30 seconds, go follow me on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. Get my book, Pid Me, Pay Me, Have Boostful Travel at Amazon. It's easy to download, or you can get a uh, print copy, man. Just uh, appreciate I just it very much. You. Thank you guys so much for Kentucky basketball yeah. across the bluegrass with Finney and Lee, baby. This is Bobby Blaze. Talk to you soon. <laughs> you can't beat that. <laughs> no. That's a proud moment I have right there. Thank you, Bobby. Hey, what what a show! Great, thank you, Bobby. Man, we got Benny. I love you, brother. Let's stay positive, folks, and good night. And I love everybody out there. And thank you for listening. Hey, wash your hands, folks, and uh, come see us next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.